Good morning, everyone, and happy Easter. Here we are just at the church building. Church building's obviously not open quite yet, uh, but we do hope to open very soon, uh, hopefully in May time. But this morning, as part of our Easter service, because so many of us are so used to going up Law Hill, we thought we'd take you on a journey this morning. And so we're going to go up Law Hill today and we're going to think about the Easter story from Mark's Gospel. So here we are and we're making our way up Law Hill. And of course, so many of us are so used to going up Law Hill for Easter Sunday. Unfortunately, we weren't able to do that uh, last year. And again, we can't do it this year uh, as well because of coronavirus restrictions. Anna and myself came here in 2008 and for some reason we didn't go up the hill in 2008 when I was a minister at Overton but we started going up in 2009 and we've been going up ever since. And as anyone who does this wee journey knows, the, the steepest part is this first bit, isn't it? Coming up Law Bray, it's the most difficult part and you don't really have the view so you're not able to stop and try and admire the view uh, as you're trying to take and get your breath as you come up this first part. Now, taking this journey up uh, Law Hill, it's like a pilgrimage on Sunday morning as we come to the top of Law Hill and as we uh, worship and as we celebrate that Jesus is alive. And it made me think a wee bit about how life is a journey and that's a cliche in many ways, isn't it? So many times we watch these reality television shows like The X Factor, like The Voice, all these different shows. And the contestants on these kind of shows, they often say that they are on a journey and they progress throughout the weeks, don't they? But it's true to say that life is a journey. And in many ways, especially this last year, has been a journey for many of us and a difficult journey at that. When the lockdown came last March, just before Easter, I don't think many of us would really expect that we'd still be locked down for this Easter as well, although things are beginning to improve slightly. Now, this morning we are going to focus on another journey, in fact a number of journeys, because we're going to think about our journey through Mark's Gospel. And over the last 16 days or so, a number of the church family have been reading through Mark's Gospel and they have been uh, reading through that Gospel and we've been following the story about Jesus because in many ways Mark being the shortest Gospel there is such an amazing story as we go through and as we see the life of Jesus and all that he had come uh, to do. Now, as well as going through our journey through Mark's Gospel, there are a number of people in this story who have been on a journey. Of course, there's Jesus himself. Jesus began his ministry at the age of around 30, and he's been in the area of Galilee. He's been doing many miracles and teachings, and the crowds have really followed him. But from Mark chapter 11 until the end of Mark's Gospel, it focuses just on the last week of his life. And it's amazing to think that just last week in our service, we thought about 
uh, the triumphal entry, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. And yet that was only last Sunday. And so in many ways, over this last week, Holy Week, we've been following Jesus in real time. So Jesus has been on a journey and he has been on that journey to do the thing which he has been called to do, which is to die on the cross at Calvary. But of course, the disciples who have been with Jesus, remember how they were called early in the gospel, Peter, James, John, and the nine others, and they have been following Jesus all this time, and they've seen some amazing things. Peter, James, and John have seen Jesus transfigured. They have witnessed many miracles, the feeding of the 5,000, the 4,000 that we've looked at in the last few weeks. They have seen so many things, Jesus calming the storm, some wonderful, wonderful miracles. And yet, at the end, towards the end of this journey, what's happened? Well, they had that last Passover meal together. They went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And then what happened after that? They deserted Jesus. And then they've seen him. Some of them were there, John especially, was at the cross when Jesus was crucified. So they too have been on this journey. Now, as we come to the story this morning, there are some other people who make a journey. You see, after Good Friday, there was in many ways devastation, wasn't there? Because the followers of Jesus, they'd seen him being crucified. They'd seen that the spear had been put in his side. They'd seen him being taken down from the cross. And Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, two of the disciples, kind of secret disciples, they took Jesus' body and they put it and placed it in a tomb which had never been used. And a stone was rolled over the entrance of the tomb. And some soldiers were there guarding that tomb as well. And so there was kind of devastation for all the disciples. They had so high hopes, such high hopes for Jesus, that Jesus was the Messiah. Peter had even declared that he was the Son of God. And now their hopes just seem to be dashed. You wonder what these disciples were feeling, especially on the Saturday, on the Sabbath day. Devastated, no doubt. Now this morning I want to think about some other people who make a journey. And those people are Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome. And it says in our passage today that very early in the morning they made a journey. And their journey was to the tomb, the tomb where Jesus was buried. Now, it strikes me that it may be that they were going to the tomb early because uh, they wanted to avoid any kind of crowds, they wanted to avoid any kind of publicity. But I think there's also something in them. They really loved Jesus. They were devoted followers of Jesus. And they knew because of the haste in which he was taken down from the cross and placed into the tomb, he hadn't really uh, received a proper uh, anointing when he was buried. And so it seems to me that these women were, were, were desperate. They were waiting for the Sabbath to be over so that they could go early 
to the tomb and to anoint Jesus' body. Now, as these women were making their way to the tomb, the last thing I think that was on their mind was that Jesus' body was not going to be there. Because as they're making their way to the tomb, the thing that seems to be in their mind or what they're talking about is who is going to roll away this large stone. You see, the stones that were put in front of tombs were, were heavy stones. They weren't just tiny little stones that could be moved. It would take a, a bit of grunt to be able to move the stone in front of the tomb. And so the women were, were asking each other, you know, who is going to move this stone? Imagine their surprise, therefore, when they come, probably around the corner or wherever it might be, and they come to the tomb, and what do they see? Well, they see that the stone has already been rolled away. The very thing that they were concerned about and worried about isn't something to be worried about anymore. But then something else happens, because in the midst of this situation where they're not expecting to be able to move the, the stone or anything like that, what happens? Well, someone appears, and at the right hand of the tomb, there is a young man dressed in white. We presume that he is an angel, and he gives a message to the woman. Now, as the woman see this man sitting there, it says that they were very afraid. And I think if you and I had been there, and we saw this man, there must have been something about his appearance that was really quite scary for them. They didn't know what to think because they'd been coming expecting to find Jesus' body, expecting to find a sealed tomb, and now the stone had gone and they'd found this young man. What they didn't expect was the message that the man was about to give them. You see, the man's message for the woman was so surprising. The woman just couldn't have expected what was about to happen. You see, the man said to them, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Now, I just want you to pause just for a moment and just to think how mind-blowing that is. You see, we know that Jesus had said certainly in the last week or so of his life, very plainly to the disciples, that he was going to be crucified, he was going to suffer, he was going to be tried, he was going to be crucified, he was going to die, buried, and then on the third day he was going to rise again to new life. But you don't know if the disciples ever shared that out with the kind of inner circle. And you just wondered, because the disciples clearly didn't expect this was going to happen either. And so the women are coming to the tomb thinking, you know, it's going to be sealed, Jesus' body is going to be there. And now they've been told, he is not here, he has risen. That's absolutely mind-blowing, absolutely amazing. Now, it's not a surprise that the women were very afraid. They wondered exactly what was going on. They just couldn't comprehend it in their own mind. But there's another part to the man's message as well, isn't there? because he says to them, go and tell Peter, well, the disciples and Peter, and tell them to go to Galilee, and there I will meet with them. 
Now, that's really interesting, isn't it? Why is it the disciples and Peter? Well, remember the source for Mark's gospel probably is the apostle Peter. And remember, Peter had, had let Jesus down, hadn't he? Remember, he had denied Jesus three times before the cock had crowed. And therefore, he probably felt outside the disciples. And so he probably doesn't feel worthy to be called a disciple at this point. But the man says, go and tell the disciples and Peter. So Peter also was to be included uh, with the rest of the disciples. Now, how are the women going to react to this news? Well, it tells us in our passage that they were trembling and they were bewildered. And that's quite understandable, isn't it? Because after all, they had seen Jesus die. They had seen the spear going in his side. They had seen his hours of crucifixion. They had probably seen him being buried. They certainly knew his body had been taken down and where it had been placed. They had no conception in their mind that Jesus would rise again from the dead. But let's have a wee think about this story this morning. Because you probably notice that Mark's gospel finishes really abruptly. Mark chapter 16 is only eight verses. Well, verses one to eight. And there's many questions that scholars have asked for many years. Why does it end so abruptly? Some think that actually the end of John's gospel would fit very well at the end of Mark's gospel. It says at the end of Mark's version here that the woman didn't tell anyone because they were so afraid. And that's the end of the gospel. And you think, well, where's the joy? Where is the excitement about Jesus being risen from the dead? But I think that the reason why it ends so abruptly is to pose us the question, has this actually happened? And what does this mean for our own lives? It doesn't end without any hope, because even though the women are left bewildered, trembling, even though it says that they didn't tell anyone what was going to happen, I hope you noticed in verse seven, in what the young man said to the woman, that there is a promise. And what is that promise? Well, the promise is, remember the young man said, tell the disciples and Peter to go to Galilee. There, they will see me. So if you want proof, then you need to go to Galilee and you will see Jesus for yourself. You might be trembling and bewildered at this present time, but there will be a time when you will see Jesus and you will see for yourself that he truly is alive. Now, what are we to make of this story today? Well, we're surrounded here at Law Hill with new life, new lambs being uh, born. And this is a story all about new life. It's all about Jesus, the one who was crucified and dead, but now rising again on the third day, as he said he would. And because he is risen, we have the hope too of resurrection. 
we too have the hope of forgiveness, of peace with God, of coming into the very presence of God. You see, it's in the resurrection that we see life and we see that death is conquered, the evil is defeated, the devil is crushed, and we see that Jesus is victorious. You see, it takes us back to the cross on Good Friday because Jesus, one of Jesus' final words on the cross, it is finished. That wasn't a cry of despair. It wasn't a cry of everything's gone wrong. This was a cry of victory, that Jesus had come what he was called to do. And now he was bringing life, life in all its fullness. So here we are at the top of Law Hill. We have completed our journey uh, to the top. And here we have the cross as we usually have it up on Easter Sunday. Now, what do you notice about this cross? Well, it's an empty cross because Jesus is not there. He is risen from the dead. Now, as we think about our journey coming up Law Hill this morning, as we think about the journeys that the disciples made, that Jesus, of course, made, that the woman made on Easter Sunday morning, I want you to remember that the women felt perplexed and they felt just wondering what was going to happen going forward. They were bewildered. And maybe in our own lives, that's how we feel. We feel perplexed and bewildered, especially with all that's happened in this past year. But if it is true that Jesus is risen, that Christ is risen indeed, then that makes all the difference in our lives. Because Jesus being risen gives us hope, brings us peace, brings us life in all its fullness and life everlasting. So I encourage you on this Easter Sunday morning, however you're feeling, however your journey is going, survey that wondrous cross. See what your Saviour has done there and then make another journey. Maybe not physically to Galilee, but metaphorically to Galilee, to see Jesus, to understand He is risen and put your faith and trust in Him. The woman we know remains silent at the end of the story in Mark's Gospel. We know from the other Gospels what they did, that they went, they told the disciples, they told other people what had happened. And we too, as followers of Jesus, are called to go and proclaim that good news, the good news of the cross, to the people in West Kilbride, in Ayrshire, and all over Scotland and the world. So I hope this morning, as we've gone on this journey, that that has been meaningful for you. And that on your own journey, you know Christ walking with you and supporting you along the way.